I could never imagine talking to any of you about your girlfriends or wives and being like, <laughs> man, your wife is a fucking bitch, huh? Like, it's just like, it's so not, fucking weird, right? Yeah. Like I would never think to do that. Like, it's just so bizarre to me, but it's, it is something that's been prevalent in television as long as I can remember. But I don't know if like, did our parents' generation act like that? Or was this just always a TV thing? I mean, in our generation too, we would even wait like a couple years when somebody was broken up before you'd even be like, I mean, to be fair though. There's always that, that window they could get back together and then you're, oh, the yeah, then the you're not safe. <laughs> I remember there was someone Joe used to date. I thought we were in the safe zone. I knew exactly where this was going. <laughs> and and they, I was like, I hate that together. I fucking <laughs> opened the store so much right It's just being like, ah, shit. <laughs> we, we, talk, we talk so much shit. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Get a Life. Get a Life went 35 episodes with two seasons on Fox. Today we're talking about episode one, which is called Terror on the Hell Loop 2000, originally airing September 23rd, 1990. So to get things started... I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, the boys, most of the boys, Gordo, Ferg, and Joe. No Nick this episode. What's going on, guys? Yo. That is the last time I ate a whole box of steakums before bed. I've eaten steakums before before bed. Don't been there, done that. (laughs) That just feels like heartburn, which I'm currently suffering from at the moment, anyways. But steakums gives you not good. Yeah, like any something like that. Yeah. There's a lot of salt in steakums. There's a lot. There's a high sodium content. Greasy foods can give you heartburn pretty easy. Everything gives me heartburn, so it's it's especially because I cover mine with mustard sulfite. So I like when I say that and people go, "Oh, you're getting old." I'm like, I've had that problem since I was 14. Dude. I was gonna say, I think I was like 12 when I started getting heartburn on the daily. So yeah, I was like, "Oh, so tums are a thing now." That's good to know. Yeah. So um, yeah, get a life. This I I can't remember if I knew this show existed. 1990, we were young. You know, we're all like four or five years old when the show came out. So it's not like we would have remembered it in its original run and it didn't have a, a big syndication run. But Whose did you guys was, watch this? I've never heard of it until we covered it. Whose show was this? This is Joe's mine. show. Joe's pick? Fuck I've, you, Joe. <laughs> I thought this was the pre-show. The what? what? A, a pre-show? The show. Oh, priest. Hey, priest. Oh, a priest. Yes. I said a pre-show. I was like, to what? I was going to say, we don't record the pre-show. That's us talking for like 40 minutes before we do anything. No, I thought that I because we switched up some shows. So I was like, oh, this is going to be the priest show. Oh. And then he's saying I was the one like, that's coming up soon. That we'll yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's, then I was. That's way down the road now. Yeah. Yeah. I was pushed. very confused and I was like, this is not what I was expecting. It's like, why is this priest making out with Daryl Hannah? <laughs> so uh yeah, I mean, pretty new to me, I guess. Um Chris Elliott though, I mean, at this this was before his SNL run? Yeah. I mean he was on SNL. Oh, was he was he doing his guest stars on uh This is Letterman it? time. On late Letterman, yeah. Yeah, this is around the Letterman time. Because that's and, what uh, made him famous. Gordo, he has one of the most like iconic SNL scenes of all time. And My favorite SNL sketch here, yeah, of all time. 
The Zima sketch is him. Yep. Uh, do you remember the Zima sketch? I do. I th- I'm pretty sure we've talked about that on this, on this show podcast. Before. We have before. We have. Because yeah, it's fucking bananas. The best part is at the end, when the jail bars come across, he yells, I do it again. Yeah. Good God almighty, I do it again. Which makes them no redemption even. Oh, it's the funniest SNL sketch of all time. I don't think modern day SNL can do a statutory rape uh, <laughs> sketch anymore. Yeah, and, like, and it's awesome too, because it's what's-his-face for kids in the hall playing the teenage girl. And just, the zero tastes like candy. <laughs> it's so yeah. fucking great. See, I remember that. But I don't remember the participants. Like I've never gone back and watched it. And then Chris Elliott, we um, my good hand. He, yeah, that he, strong we went, um, hand. Shit's I mean, a million. So things. yeah, let's not forget Cabin Boy, his greatest movie. <laughs> you were dying to bring up Cabin Boy. It was only a matter of time. You waited uh, like two minutes. You're lucky I waited that long. I do want to say one of those funny things where he's in he's a great character in a like a walk on episode of Miami Vice where oh, he's Miami Don Weiss? Johnson's Don Johnson's uh Vietnam vet buddy who's crazy and lives in a plane now. But the Vietnam War ended when Chris Elliott was fifteen. So that's one of those things we were watching it. I'm like, this timeline is skewed somehow. And then his daughter actually, his daughter Abby Elliott ended up on SNL and now she's For on the years, bear. Yeah. The Bear is, like, one of the biggest shows going, and one of few shows I actually watch. So. Bear is a great show. Who's she on The Bear? The I sister. Didn't know, I didn't know he had a daughter. Yeah, here's uh, the sister, the one who was, like, pregnant and stuff. Oh, I didn't know that's who she was. Yeah. She was on SNL, like, a weird kind of in-between time. I've been watching it pretty much on and off for my whole life, but those couple of years, I definitely kind of missed out on it. SNL always has those waves where it's, like, I think every... <laughs> SNL's weird in that... Every era, people don't appreciate until it's almost, like, until it's leaving. And people go, oh, this era of SNL sucks. And then, like, three people leave who have been there for a decade. And you're like, oh, man, that was such a good time. Like, Bill Hader's leaving. Kristen Wiig's leaving. And then, like, but the whole time they were on, it was like, oh, the show sucks now. Like, oh, Andy Samberg's leaving. I hate Bill Hader. You hate Bill Hader? What's yeah. wrong with you? How dare you? He's not he, funny. He's so That's... universally loved. <laughs> yeah, everybody in the world except for you loves Bill Hader. I hate everything, and I love Bill Hader. The Ferg likes him. You don't think Stefan is funny? No. <laughs> <laughs> so on this video, on this audio podcast, yeah. we all do yeah, we Stephane, all do Stefan face. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, every time it it feels like in all generations of SNL, there's a point where a bunch of major people from like that era will leave at the same time. And then there's, like, that next couple years where they're, like, trying to find their footing and, like, who's going to take over. Yeah, and, like, um, ne- next gens, they're all going to be like, oh, I really missed the Keenan Thompson era. Kenan's, you I can't say that leaving. because the Keenan Thompson era has been, like, 22 years. Yeah, there's going to be a point where, like, you're going to be in your rocking chair and your 30-year-old son, Max, is going to walk and be like, hey, Dad, Keenan's leaving SNL. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I just um, had to look up Bill Hader. Just to make sure it was the guy that Did you I have the wrong person? Was. No. You, so you have no sense of humor. Or Gordon's just going to stand on this hill and like. No, 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 no. no. I really don't like him. Of. I really don't like him. I think he's too over the top. It's SNL. <laughs> it's a sketch comedy show. But it's so over the top that it's not funny. Like, I just don't find him funny. It's the same thing like Will Farrell. Like. I, I can don't know. Oh, you, you shut your mouth right now before you talk you shit about you don't Will, find Farrell. Will Farrell. Will Farrell funny? I could take him in very small doses. 
Anchorman um, is one of the funniest movies of all time, man. Step Brothers? I, I don't want to get away from I've talking about Get it. a Life for too long because I do want to talk about it. too late. We're going down this road But now. I, I do want to say this real Yeah, Goro. And, and we've kind of established my level of humor. You know, We've talked about this with some of like the British sitcoms. I think British sitcoms are inherently over the top. And that's like your favorite kind of humor. I don't find those. I find it too much. Like I said, like Will Ferrell, like I like him. Like, I don't think he's like the funniest dude alive or anything like that. I think he tries too hard. It's like Jim Carrey. Almost, you know, you like don't find him just... funny either. <laughs> no, Jim Carrey is okay. Was like, but he's did they just say you... Sergeant Rooster? This show is great. <laughs> I don't like Jim Carrey. Who do you I, find I, funny? I, who do I find funny? Yeah, please, yeah, Skelton. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I find people funny. <laughs> oh, you just said like three of the funniest people aren't <laughs> funny. They're not. Like they're not like I don't understand. Sure I don't as Adam Sandler, I enjoy. Um, oh, he's never been over the top before. <laughs> yeah. uh, Gordo only uh, likes Adam Sandler Rob in Schneider, the Netflix era. Like. He doesn't like the original. I was going to say, you know what bothers me is I would say there's a solid chance he thinks Jack and Jill is funny. <laughs> no, I don't think I saw that. Oh God, what's the awful with Christopher? I wish Walker I could remote that. control. That one's good. It's just Click unnecessarily is, sad. Makes me really sad. At the end. Oh, I don't think that one's good though. And I love oh, Adam okay. Sandler. That one's not Want me good. to show you the quarter trick? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Click's one of those movies that it's a comedy, and then all of a sudden at the end it gets super depressing. It's like, that's not why I watched this. But It's also one of those weird movies where they make Christopher Walken be his character from SNL, where he's like, not Christopher. He's, he's playing a character of himself. That's kind of weird. He's like, it's me, a weird scientist in a back room. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not why we want you, man. This is in, the beyond of Bed Bath Beyond. I think so. But Stephen anyway, Colbert, I find funny. Oh, uh, it I took find, Gordo, by the way, five minutes to think of a human he thought was funny since we asked uh, that question. Steve Carell, I find funny. Uh, just to, to backtrack a little bit and get back on the rails. I want to quickly remind everyone, go to S1E1Pod.com. That's where you can find all the links to our social medias. X, Instagram. Hit us up on those. We like to interact with you guys. Let us know shows you want us to cover. And then quickly some numbers, and I will say, heavily skewed based on low number ratings, IMDb has this show clocked in 8.1, Rotten Tomatoes uh, critic score, 77%, I think those are audience score, 100%. Fuck yeah, it is. Oh, so I have the power to affect that if I go on. I, I was going to say. <laughs> I picked this show. I had never seen it before. I'd always heard about it. I love Chris Elliott. It's one of those things that, again, we missed and you always heard about pre there being DVDs of everything. And then it just sort of kind of disappeared in my mind for a while. So I'd never seen this until we watched it today. I fucking loved this so much. This is like a Joe Broken Brain signal where they're just like, Irwin Allen movies, the Go-Go's, we're to mention, look, it's fucking Bob from Batman 89. Everything about this made me so fucking happy. He pours the soda on... <laughs> You know what I think is weird? I had so DVDs. many genuine lols in this episode. This show had, like, I think two different DVD releases. And then there's shows that I feel were much more popular that never get an official DVD release. And you go, how? Like, <laughs> who decides what shows get DVD releases in this era? I mean, I think it was probably Shout Factory or one of those places, right? 
But with the DVD releases, this has so much different music in it. You'd think they'd have the Drew Carey problem. So they had DVDs to... are released by Rhino, though, and Rhino's owned by Warner. No, so I guess in syndication, I don't know about the DVD releases, but I know in syndication they had to, I guess in the year 2000. In the year 2000. They put the show out on a brief syndication run. When they did, they had to change all the music, including the intro, to generic music. And uh, one of the creators of the show hated it and like demanded it was taken off air. That's so much work yeah. for this show. That's how the dare too, you take like, out the Go Go's? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Like, all right, <laughs> no. we're gonna have to like, we're gonna have to re-edit all thirty-five episodes of Get a Life so we can put them on syndication. It's just like it's not even a long enough run. Good news, we we sold eleven copies. The history of this show that we none of us have seen. But in one of the tidbits of this show is that sold me on wanting to see it the most is there are 35 episodes and Chris Elliott's character dies in 12 of them. And I'm kind yeah, of really bad like, that he didn't die in this episode. I, very they had strange. the opening. He could have fallen out of the roller coaster. Right. The roller coaster thing. I was he, like, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Then he's hanging. And I was like, wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> it's uh, it, it says a lot about like the tone of the show and how it's formatted. Um, When I read that, I was like, that's odd that they that, so like the continuities like episode episodes kind of not there don't forget though that this is early yeah. fox and early fox was very weird yeah so, so the whole time i'm watching this show and i never do this with shows i just keep saying oh that would be funnier with norm mcdonald that would be better with <laughs> norm mcdonald this should be that norm can be said on a lot of shows i know but i don't know why i did it with this show but it kept happening and i could see him in that role but like you know adulted up a little <laughs> Yeah, I'm hanging off a fucking roller coaster. It's like, yeah, I can see that being funny. But again, Norm doing anything is funny. That's not fair. That's true. R.I.P. Oh, R. I. he's P. someone I find funny. I was going to say, Gordo, do you like Norm? <laughs> All right, let's get into the episode itself. So it starts with this exterior shot of the house, and we're panning into a room. So like, just from the pan, we can see it's like the upper level of the house. And then we cut inside, and we see the main character, Chris, who's played by Chris Elliott. He's in like this... Uh, it looks like the attic's kind of like a converted studio apartment, and he's asleep in bed having a weird dream about, like, a bad turn he's having on the game show Pyramid. <laughs> well, that dates it right, right away. There. Right away you know where we stand in this. <laughs> yeah, maybe so, on the game show network. Like, I haven't seen Pyramid. It is on the game show network. A lot of these shows exist forever now. You just don't realize them, and yeah. they have, like, D-list hosts and stuff. It's not like... The true era of those game shows are when they were on, like, prime time and everybody was watching. Like, it's, that's a bygone era. I will say in this scene, though, not knowing much about the show, I don't know where this is going, I thought it was going to be a serial killer show because he rips his blankets off and he's asleep with socks on. And that's something that only serial killers do. What yeah, about no. when it's cold? You don't do that when it's cold? No, no you don't sleep with socks on. That's so weird. I do if it's cold enough. No. Give me an extra blanket. And that's why your feet are broken. Yeah, I was going to say, says the man with no ankle. So, um, well, I'll say this, and this is something else I read. I don't know if you saw, Joe, but I guess the from what I've seen, and I've only seen this episode, but, like, I guess in the pilot, the characters played a little different, and Chris's character does get more dark as the show goes on, but they were trying to sell it to the network, so they wanted him to be a little bit more, like, youthful and fun on the initial. And I guess even in, like, later scripts, they would turn scripts in, to the network and then rewrite and change things 
for the live shootings because they wanted them sense. to pass. That's so needed. like that would also make sense as to, to why he dies so many times, right? Yeah, so I mean, I would for that reason, I'd be interested to see some like later episodes to see like where this show spins, because they do, I guess, from what I read at least, change up the character a little bit. So he dies in other episodes. Like, is it, is it like, like Kenny, <laughs> like a Kenny thing, or like is it like an end of an episode thing? Does anybody? I, I don't know. know. He always comes back though. It's all different things. Like, yeah, I guess he's he was stabbed, or this or that had like all weird different. Or he got crushed by a rock, like so. Um, but weirdly, one of them isn't falling out of a roller coaster while hanging upside down for three right? hours. I feel like if that wasn't a, a a pilot episode, if this episode was later on, they probably would have done it the way. Oh, it missed up. opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> His alarm goes off. He gets out of bed. First thing he says is that whole thing about the steakums that he shouldn't have ate them before. Because I guess that's what gave him bad dreams. And then goes and turns his stereo on. Turns on Living in America by James Brown and like starts to work out. Like he's doing like push-ups. And no, no, he's no. talking he's dancing to himself. Lasso and he struggles through push-up. Yeah. Uh, I love that song. And I'm like, all right, this show's getting off to a good start. I'm really excited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you're a corporate animal. <laughs> It's like, it, it's a weird, at this point of the show, I cannot figure out the tone at all. And after he decides he's not going to bother working out anymore, he just starts dancing and, and like brushing his teeth. <laughs> like I didn't get that. The whole, the whole exchange is, it's all strange to me. Like his morning routine, he jumps on be- his bed. He kisses a poster of Daryl Hannah he has. Uh, the whole thing is oh, just... with toothpaste. It would ruin the poster. That's with There's toothpaste. like a big Joker kiss on it. Did you guys see that she had white toothpaste running down her mouth? I didn't catch that. Um, but yeah, I he guess... like smears it all over her face. If that's and then it routine starts every dripping morning. right at the corner, but it starts conspicuously dripping right at the corner of her mouth. Well, so you think this is a mouth, purposeful but... cum joke? That's what I was making. It was a cum joke, Jay. I don't know if you were making a joke or if it was an observation. I get what you No, it was an to. observation, but okay, they put yeah. a cum joke in there. Do you guys remember when Disney Plus started? Like, was it a year ago now or whatever? One of the big controversies was there's that scene at the end of Splash where Daryl Hannah walks back into the ocean and you see her butt. Oh, they, oh yeah. They, 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 they like gave cut, her a furry butt. It, right? <laughs> yeah, Disney like covered her butt up. It's like, how fucking dare you, Disney? <laughs> But then they put the Punisher TV show on there where it's like people's heads exploding. Like, not Daryl Hannah's butt. Sorry, guys. It's weird if, um, I don't know. Nudity, I can see. So, like, you know how on all those platforms they have, like, kids mode. So, like, if, you know, there's a child, you know, going through it, there's a lot of stuff that they, you know, can't see. For, like, you know, so we have, like, all those, you know, Netflix, Hulu. We have it all for my niece. So if she's on any of them, you know, you go on it. It's an altered version for kids. On Disney Plus, if you give them kids mode, it like blocks every movie. <laughs> so you can't even like they went so extreme that you can't use the kid version for kids because then they can't watch like standard classic Disney movies. Like Timothy Dalton's a Nazi in the Rocketeer. Cut, can't watch it. Like, wait a minute, guys. The right move is you have kids mode, you include everything, but the adult has to put on a code for anything above a certain level. Yeah. Instead of just eliminating it, but but then you make the code for twenty sixty nine. That's what all my codes are. And they already break the corner house. Hey, listen, <laughs> someone already got me on PayPal. I actually just had to reset my Venmo the other day. It was like suspended for a couple of days because of weird shit. 
Because you're buying those feet finder picks, Jay. I hate feet. <laughs> Full disclosure. It's like, uh, but um, no, I don't. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be interested in like the inner workings of what was going on with my Venmo. But um, but well, I apparently you sent you too much to... money to the Nothing Like It Girls OnlyFans, and people at Venmo were like, clearly he's been hacked. There's no way. obviously set up to my credit card, not my Venmo account, idiot. So um, it's the recurring payment, dummy. The hackers tried to get me, and then they just laughed at my bank account. Yeah. <laughs> this routine's going on for a bit, and then it cuts to, like, the exterior of the house again. And you see him, like, going out, like, you know, the top floor outside. He goes all the way down the steps, and then back through the front door at the bottom floor. And this is when we realize, like, he lives in his parents' house, but kind of in a separated apartment, sort of. Yeah, he's in like the uh, he's in like the where Kurt Cobain kills himself apartment. It's funny because it's so cool when Mike Seaver does it, but then when he does it, it's like oh, that's lame. Or Kurt Cobain got killed. Um, no, it's Kurt. It's Kurt Cameron, guys. Oh. <laughs> the apartment where El Duce killed Kurt Cameron. <laughs> so he walks in and sees his parents at the dining room table. And just greets them by making jokes about how old they are. He's just instantly rude to his parents. Which is his real yeah. dad, too. Yes, uh, Bob oh, Elliott. That. Yeah, that, that's his real father. And I did oh, read... Yeah, I guess, like, throughout the whole show, like, not just this episode, they're, like, almost always in pajamas. Hmm. And he did that deliberately because he wanted his dad to be comfortable whenever they were recording. So he just made it so they're always in pajamas. Yeah. That's sweet. That would be the opposite for me. I'm so uncomfortable in pajamas. Yeah. I mean, I don't, we've, I think we've talked about this before. Like, I'm not like a big pajama wearer. I'm Jim Jordan. I love jammies. I wear sweatpants. Yeah, we've definitely had this conversation before. We've definitely had the talk recently. (laughs) So the parents start kind of lecturing them because they're worried that. You know, we notice like we think you're in a rut, and like we don't want you turn into this like lost soul. And he's like responding with like, no, like I'm really like into like journal. Like his job is journalism based, and he's really passionate about it, and it's in his blood now. And so he's like heads off to work, and the father says something about how, you know, on the bright side, like his boss says, like he's like the best guy that they've got. But then we see. It transitions into the intro, and by him working in journalism, he means he's a paperboy. Now, Chris is a, I, in the show a thirty-year-old man. I should mention if you're not if, if we didn't mention for reference, he's he's playing a thirty-year-old man. I think this is great, though. I love that journalism's in my blood. This is before you would have gotten previewed to death for everything and known the hook of the show. I think that's a very funny setup and reveal for a pilot. Yeah, yeah I could be so, that. I wasn't expecting it. It wasn't like it. an early trailer that told you too much. Yeah. I was not expecting it, to be honest. It goes right into the intro. And I assume the way it was, it's weird because the way it was shot, it looks like natural into the episode. But I'm pretty sure this was the standard intro for every episode. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't know. I've never seen it. It, Yeah, I just, I've only seen this episode, but I've seen the clip for this show or like the, the promo photos for this show are always him on the bike. Right. So it's like basically just a montage of him on his paper route to the song Stand by R.E.M., I'd like to bring something up sitcom related here. So I was watching this and I had like the weirdest revelation and I looked up online everywhere for this and there's nothing about it. So I'm pretty sure I may have figured out a very weird thing on Parks and Rec. So, you know, in Parks and Rec where Ben loses his job and he's kind of home working on the low calcal zone and sort of falling apart. 
Yes, yeah, when that's he... his stop animation video song. Right, and it plays Stand by R.E.M. And the he only has like the three seconds of the video. But the oh, three right, seconds yeah. of the video are a guy in bed getting up and then like putting his feet sideways to get out of bed. And I'm like, wait, was his character trying to recreate the opening yeah. of Get a Life? Like, is that like a super weird like comedy nerd in-joke? If I ever meet a writer from Parks and Rec, I'm going to ask them that and have them be like, either you're the genius who figured it out or are you fucking crazy? If you are a writer from Parks and Rec, Please contact us. I'm going to stand by. I think that's what's going on. And also, literally, I know like every word to this song because it was a fairly big song on the radio a lot when we were kids. And I literally can only ever think of the first three words because of that Parks and Rec because they just play it twice and it just stops. I was actually going to say before we started talking at the same time, which always happens. Always. I can't hear this song without thinking of that scene. <laughs> so, I'm glad. Yeah, that's Arian's lasting It legacy. does have that effect on people. At this point, we've already heard Living in America. We have this song. Well, later on, we hear the Go-Go's. And I'm like, for a show like this, what was the budget for music on this weird kind of like experimental sitcom that they put this much money into music rights? It was so J- weird. James Brown alone. Like, it's kinda... I, I, will, I will posit this. James Brown probably an expensive get but you're talking about the go-go's third record which was not super successful five years later and you're talking about rem who this is before any of their heavy radio hits so they're still a smaller indie band so they were probably not that expensive of a get yet right they were like a college rock darling band but they weren't this is pre-losing my religion this is pre-monster this is pre-all sure of that but i and i guess even um in the dvd i guess even this song had to be replaced or in syndication which is REM didn't get that Mission Impossible music yet. Uh, not Mission Impossible. Money. I'm sorry, uh, Independence Day. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I just I thought it was weird to to give a, a show like this such a budget for music, even if some of the songs are on the lower end, and we don't we don't know the actual numbers. But to have like major songs, especially knowing later on, and now that we kind of have the privilege of he- knowing more about this stuff because of like other podcasts and commentary, just articles that are out you hear about like the office and other shows like oh like they paid ten thousand dollars just to have michael scott sing a line from two tickets to paradise you know like himself so it's like what did it cost to get james brown's half of the song played you know what i mean literally was wearing an eddie money button earlier but i changed my shirt this is also pre napster and pre overhaul of like the music industry too it's well, pre-streaming, it's pre-TV shows, unless you were a classic show, like, you probably, you could get, like, Monty Python on VHS tape, right, in 1990, and you could get a few other things like that as collections, but you're paying a different royalty rate to play on TV, and then yeah. to play in syndication, and just in reruns, not even syndication, like, it can play over the summer, they would have had to pay more if they went into syndication if they hit the 100 episodes, but right. I bet in 1990 it was a smaller lift to do a single run show. But Fox always had, especially early 90s Fox, they always had, like, a large music budget. Like, look at Married with Children. I was going to say, Married with Children is fucking Sinatra. Yeah, that's crazy. And they got the rights for it for syndication and video and DVD, yeah. Yeah. I bet because that show got as popular as it did, they were like, we have to shell out the money to to keep the rights for this for DVDs and stuff. It just wouldn't work without the theme, yeah. yeah. Any other song would make it feel weird. I'm trying to think of, like, other early... 
Fox shows that we was done. unhappily ever after. That was the other one because they have hit the road hit jack. The road, like, jack. Yeah, they yeah. have hit the road jack. I think um, that was Fox. Yes, it was. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I mean, at this time they got yeah. lucky because they had the Simpsons where Danny Elfman wrote a score, and they had the Tracy Elman show where Tracy Elman was a musician herself, so she was able to just be like, "Yes, use my music. I can give you the rights for it." And anyway, to get to conclude with this intro, it's just him on this paper route. The only thing is towards the end of it, he's he's riding by this kind of busty woman who's in front of her house. So he kind of deliberately throws the paper short so she has to bend over to get it. He has such a lecherous gaze here. It's so fucking yeah. great. And he's, and he's looking over at her as she does it. And then because of that, the, the intro kind of concludes with him crashing his bike into a parked car and then kind of landing on the on the trunk. And laying there, um, as she's I'm sorry, but this paper. is that is such a soft fall, and if you're going to use that for the intro, you got to go all out. He doesn't. I was really let down by the crash. A stunt double. Yeah, what you, you needed, needed a was stunt double to just eat shit. Like that's what yeah, I thought. Stacy did a way job. better job. <laughs> Stacy did a great job, and this episode does feature a, a Wayne's World alum. Also, I saw that the house that this woman was picking up the paper uh, in front of is the Munster House. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, well, the the guy who plays the boss in the episode later, he is in an episode of the Munsters today. Huh? Where so the Munsters? Full, full circle, guys. I hope that's not what they meant when we they did wrote, it, boys. The Munsters. I I hope they meant the real one. <laughs> Post intro, the next scene, Chris climbs up like the side of a house, which was like kind of impressive, actually, the way he scaled up this house so quickly. That's a thing that is such a <laughs> California thing in movies and TV that never existed. Like we live on the East Coast, for anybody who doesn't know. But like houses that had all year round lattice with big enough holes in it that a like a yeah. teenager could climb up them. That was the kind of shit I dreamed of watching sitcoms as a kid. Like, oh, you could just climb up your friend's roof and then down your own roof to sneak out. Like that can't exist here. That plastic would snap in the winter. When we moved Plus, here, we had <laughs> lattice against all of our back fence and like all of it fucking exploded. Like they clearly put it up to sell the house to make it look nicer and the cold weather just destroyed it. Perfect for sneaking into all those abandoned pools so you can skateboard it. And gleam that cube so hard. And um, he climbs right into the bedroom window of, you see a sleeping couple in bed as he's going through the window. He's trying to wake up his buddy Larry and somehow is able to wake him up without waking up the wife at first. And what do you mean somehow? He cuffs his hands. That works. Yeah, they're having a full volume <laughs> conversation and she's just like, you know, me, 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 me. <laughs> also, with hindsight, his name is very funny because his name is Larry Potter. <laughs> like, Larry Potter sounds like if you were buying, like, a Harry Potter gift off of Amazon that came from, like, a weird third country. It was like, it's Magic Boy, Larry Potter. <laughs> Actually, this is the 90s, so the only Harry Potter that exists is from Trolls 2. Oh, is Trolls 2 the one with Julia Louis-Dreyfus? No. Is that Trolls 1? I think it's one. Okay. Isn't Trolls 2 the one that's like regarded as one of the yes. worst movies of all time? That's yeah. one with, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, she's not on that one. Chris is basically telling Larry that he's there to rescue him from his regular day-to-day -day so they can go have fun. Larry's like, last time we went on one of your little adventures, we ran over a pig. And like the studio audience thought that was real funny. <laughs> I don't understand this joke at all. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, that was a bag of trash. It's like, but it was clearly a pig. I, I, I don't know the backstory to that. As the conversation elevates, the wife starts to wake up. Now, she has a sleep mask on, so she doesn't see who's in the room. So Chris tries to mask his voice and pretend that he works for the water company. 
and he's there because of some issue with the water. Um, that um, what's in it? Something mustard, something that's going to make mustard sulfates. Mustard sulfite. So everyone I made a joke about it earlier that didn't land yeah, yeah. because why would I make a joke about that and have it land? Of course. <laughs> well, it didn't land on theirs either. So no. um, <laughs> I no. went. Look, we've talked about on the episode. We're not going to get into mustard talk again. Anybody who's a, li- a longtime listener of the show does not want to hear mustard talk again. But I thought mustard sulfites must have been something different than it is. But it's just like a thing that naturally occurs in mustard, and they tell you oh. to like be careful with your sulfate intake or whatever i did like i looked way too much into this which means they would have to extract the sulfates from mustard and then put them into the water well the only person is someone like you who eats such an immense amount of mustard that they're like wait is there an issue here do i have to worry oh i was nervous enough to look yeah i i eat a lot of mustard we talked about heartburn earlier 99 percent of my heartburn is by my very uh high intake of mustard oh mustard burn No, the, I don't want to be the mustard gas bot, like monster though. That's like the worst thing to turn into. Any mustard intake I've ever had is like over the years, like Burger King not listening to my order when I say no mustard, and then you take a bite, and you go mustard. <laughs> we talked. I'm not going to get into it because we talked about it before, but yeah. we should put a poll on our Instagram about people's intake on mustard if they like it or don't i'd like to, i'd like well, to know plenty people of people think. like mustard's not like a niche item no no no. <laughs> no. but some people get really weird about it like i put just mustard on a burger some people think that's fucking crazy right uh, ketchup is not crazy ketchup on a hot dog i think that's crazy right there's different I feel things like condiments in general people tend to be passionate about right like people either really like or dislike certain condiments a pretzel's the only thing i'll put mustard on i mean it's great oh, on yeah pretzel. mustard on pretzels is good uh ham Oh, a ham oh is where it goes the best. Ugh. You know what's weird, enough... though? Mustard's good on a soft pretzel. You ever dipped a hard pretzel in mustard? Not no. that satisfying. No. I've seen it's people good. Do it, but we'll hold the mustard talk. I'm sure it'll come up again in the future. <laughs> so the wife, whose name's Sharon, recognizes his voice despite his um him trying to mask it. I'd just like to say this actress, too, like, as a, as a pod, uh, podcast talks about sitcoms, like, amazing career when you like you hit these weird peaks sometimes where somebody can be really young in something where like she was in episodes of mash and welcome back cotter all the way up through episodes of mantis she was not dude nobody was in mantis you know if somebody's in mantis i look every week i go so deep trying to find a mantis character but i just love these there's like this weird moment when you're watching a show from like the early 90s if you get like a working actor they were probably in a million classic sitcoms because that's just what working actors did through the 70s and 80s. Yeah. So my main issue with this character is they really needed to up her bitch level. Like, because her relationship yeah. with him, they were going for almost like a Marcy Al Bundy relationship. I was going to say, she should be Marcy Darcy. Like, yeah. She needed to be like meaner. And he's he's just a dick to her all the time for no reason. Yeah. And she, I'm like, she seems like a nice lady. Well, that's the thing. No, like, she's rightfully pissed off. This guy just climbed into her fucking window and is being disruptive and trying to get her husband to skip work and hang out with him. So, yeah, it's like she has reason to not like him. Well, Jay, I'm sure you'll get into it, but when she does the Chris breakdown, like you're 30 years old, et cetera. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll like, talk about That's it. a mean character trait, though. That's, I will, that's not I a nice want, thing. I want to talk about that. So, yeah, we'll get into it when we get into it. But that's in response to his actions. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And here's the thing about the character, too. Like, because we haven't really talked about it. Like, we talked about how he just rips into his parents as soon as he sees them. He plays this character very young. He's a 30-year-old guy, but... And from what I understand, 
the the objective was to kind of make him like what if Dennis the Menace was 30? That's what the creators kind of made him to be. And they mentioned Dennis the Menace twice in the episode. So if you're yes, paying attention, they, they do hammer it home. And I guess that's why he wears striped shirts a lot, too. I was <laughs> going to say, that, that has to be the striped shirt thing, right? Yeah. Because there's the Mr. Wilson thing, and there's a direct Dennis the Menace, like, call out later. Yeah. So it's definitely paints a picture, I guess, if you haven't seen this show. That's why he's such a disruptor to everyone. He's kind of, he's an agitator. And, like, so as far as, like, this girl Sharon goes, yeah, she's going to be annoyed by him. And it's it's a weird dynamic because... You're supposed to side with the main character. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, when the I antagonist don't. is the one who's rightfully angry. It's it's a weird dynamic when you're following these arguments. Yeah, I did not like, I, I, I already don't like his character. Yeah, he's very unlikable. It's tough. Strong disagree. It's it's tough. Not tough. He's an asshole. But there are, we've seen plenty of shows where the main character's an asshole, but you got to put him in the right situations where. If they're charming, he's not charming. Yeah, correct. I, I will say, though, if you want to think of a good Chris Elliott, if you think of his character in Schitt's Creek, he does this character, but charming. Exactly. Right? Where he's, he's shitty to everybody, and he takes advantage of everybody, and he's always up for himself, but he doesn't play it mean. And in this, he plays it way more mean, mean for he's sure. He's mean and intentionally acting like an annoying kid, which yeah. is something that most people will not like. You know, not right, many yeah, people he's a like child. Ooh, yeah, so it's tough to play the annoying kid and be likable. That only works with Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, but Pee Wee Herman is is um is good spirited, so it's it's a different yeah. You know, and it's a different level of childlike, I think. Yeah, she's like, "What's Chris doing here?" When you know, when she gets out of bed, so Larry's telling her he's there to deliver the paper, and she says, "Well, he's not required to deliver it to the bedroom." And then he's like, well, that's not what you said to the Domino's boy the other day. And then she's like, jumps over at him, which I actually did think that that line was kind of funny. I got a good lull out of that. I did. I, I like that. I like that line. And the two like are kind of bickering for a moment. And that's when Chris notices like the new Nintendo. And Larry's like, with the power glove. <laughs> and I think um, it's so bad. And I think that's I, it was kind of good for Larry's character because we're seeing that even though he's like. I'm married and have kids and I have this job. Like there is that part of him who wants to be Chris still, you know what I mean? Like you could see like, you know, he's one foot in one foot out. He's like trying to be this guy, but deep down he, he still wants to be doing goofy mm. shit. Did anybody uh, use the power glove? Nobody actually all? used the power glove because it didn't fucking work, but I'm I don't know people had it. <laughs> the thing I wanted to bring up real quick though, was about the power glove. Ferg, when you think of power glove, what do you think of first? Lucas, the wizard. Okay, that's fair. Is that okay. mind the wrong answer? Well, I was thinking more about what your nickname is. Oh, you forgot about the power glove, Freddy. Do you know who's in that same Freddy Krueger movie? Chris's no. mom in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Who is she in So that? there's two Nightmare on Elm Street 5 references in this <laughs> in this episode. Six. <clears throat> oh, six, sorry. Which is 1992, same year, right? Yes. Yeah, I never had the power glove growing up. I had the you know the full Nintendo situation. And I had the duck hunt. I had yeah, the, the gun, gun, duck hunt. the gun for sure. And I remember Ferg, you had the mat for like the that you could I run did. on, right? We used to use our elbows to run really <laughs> yeah. fast. Um, but yeah, no, never had the power glove. And yeah, from what I understand, like on a practicality standpoint, never had Game Genie either. Oh, I had Game Genie. That was amazing. I could play Super Mario and play one player and be Luigi. 
Like, this is amazing. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. I always wanted to be Luigi, so I appreciate that. Oh, permanent P-Wing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Sharon tells Chris that Larry needs to get ready so he can go to his real job. And Chris says he, he, Chris says he brought Sharon something, pulls out like a Victoria's Secret catalog. He's like, here, I circled out some items for you just in case you want to get away from that burlap sack look that you normally have. I like that he was just carrying around a Victoria's Secret in his back pocket. Yeah. I don't know if that's the paperboy side of him or if he had this yeah, joke the, the ready creepy in the 30 year old side of him. No, he's weird and haunting and he jerks yeah. off to it. Yeah. And back then, you couldn't just hop on the internet and look at. No, but you're going to buy. He's a 30 year old man. He's going to buy yeah, a better magazine than Victoria's Secret. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is when, yeah, this is when guys, yeah, he definitely has some Playboys under his mattress. Or he he's just got, turns he's around like and looks at He's got something Darryl, good in there. He's got that Daryl Hannah poster. That's true. So there's all there's all these Daryl Hannah references in the episode, like they say it later, and I was thinking like it was the guy from Hanna Barbera, so I didn't get it. Oh no, that's the so that's the girl that was on the poster over his bed. Yeah, I realized that. I even re- realized throughout the episode, but I was like, oh. Okay. Why does I he keep talking because... about Daryl Hammond from SNL? <laughs> he was not very good at doing <laughs> president impressions. <laughs> Daryl Hannah this year too did like one of the most depressing movies of all time, which is the movie that did not work for John Carpenter, her or Chevy Chase, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which is just like the movie that basically buried all of their careers completely. I didn't see it. Well, I'm it's sure a not, lot of people didn't even hear of it. I love all those people, and I, it takes a lot for me to not defend Chevy Chase. That is not a good movie. So this is when she's like, "Hey." You're 30 years old, you live at home with your parents, you're losing your hair, and you're stupid. And I'll say, as she's going, oh, she's pausing in between each one. When she said, you're losing your hair, the audience lost her. At that point, <laughs> there was like, there, honestly, it was like, it was one of those things, like, the whole audience, you could hear collectively groan, like, that was too far. <laughs> Like, for all the mean things he said, it's like, Cuts to the audience with all bald men. Hey, man, he he can't help that. (laughs) Come on. That's a condition. The episode of The League where Andre says that he's not bald, he just has really invisible hair, but he's being serious (laughs) about it. I feel like that's like what Chris's character is doing. So um, she takes off to go make some coffee. And Chris starts joking with Larry about how in love with him Sharon he is. And if Larry was ever to divorce her, you know, to give him a heads up. This was a, definitely a point where, like, I remember flagging in my brain, like, he's a bit much. He just, like, yeah, he's, he's too a, much. A bit? <laughs> yeah. Well, I this mean, is I weird, also, Larry, right? stick up for your wife. <laughs> yeah, right? That's like, the thing, I'm... right? We're all in our 30s. We're, we've all been friends for a very long time. This is the same situation they have been in. None of us would ever talk to the other significant other that way, ever at all. It's just very weird. They would have to have been from the same group as we were. Like, if it was yeah. somebody who we yeah. knew the same amount of time and were part of our crew and you felt like you could make those jokes with them, I get that. But it does seem a bit weird and oversteppy. And it does feel like Larry is definitely needs to step up a little bit here. I'll say this. So I know Chris being like a childish type of character aside, it's definitely a big sitcom type thing, right? For a lot of these characters to be like, Hey man, your wife, your wife, and like people talking shit, like when the boys are together, but I don't know if it's a different generation or just our group. I could never imagine 
talking to any of you about your girlfriends or wives and being like, <laughs> man, your wife is a fucking bitch, huh? Like, it's just like, it's so not, fucking weird, right? Yeah. Like I would never think to do that. Like, it's just so bizarre to me, but it's, it is something that's been prevalent in television as long as I can remember. But I don't know if like, did our parents' generation act like that? Or was this just always a TV thing? I mean, yeah, in our generation too, we would even wait like a couple years when somebody was broken up before you'd even be like, I mean, to be fair though. There's always that, that window they could get back together and then you're, oh, the yeah, asshole then you're not safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like what you just brought up though, I that's why she needed to be more awful to justify him talking to her like that. Yeah. I, agree. I, I, I see that. We won't, we won't get to it. I remember there was someone Joe used to date. I thought we were in the safe zone. I knew exactly where this was going. And and I was like, I hate that I fucking like, opened the store so much right now. It just now. like, ah, shit. <laughs> we talk so much shit. To be fair, I was like, there's a, there's an easy pass on this one. There was no anger towards anybody. <laughs> that was so, a real like, what are you going to do? Prove me wrong? Fast forward another six months. Like, God damn it. So now Chris gets back into trying to get Larry to go with him uh, to do some stuff today. And Larry keeps telling him, like, I can't, especially since recently one of my bosses got drunk and rode a horse into the mall. So now we're losing <laughs> customers left and right. I'm like, huh? <laughs> that is such an absurdist joke that they try to pay back at the end, but still is too absurd to work. It's, by the it's way, very that, that, strange. That should have been the credit scene, by the way, is him on the horse <laughs> riding through the thing like they show. But maybe yeah. that's more of a modern thing. No, because they kind of yeah. did it. It was like they're, well, I mean, we'll get it to the end, but they had like that little post scene that was like, yeah, they do a post credits or a yeah. credit scene. That would, oh, something like that? that would work as like um, security footage. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you just see like the, yeah. That would have been perfect. Yeah, the black and white grainy. Chris tells Larry he has two tickets to go to the amusement park today and they're unveiling the new Hell Loop 2000. This is back when you could say the year 2000 and it felt futuristic and it wasn't 23 <laughs> years ago. But it was also yeah, only true. 10 years away. I know, but even, I feel like up until like, even in like 97, you go, the blah, 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 2000, <laughs> you go, ooh, 2000. There was some made for TV movie that Sting was in with the wrestler Sting. Um, it was like a TBS or TNT original. It was like 1993 and it was like futurized cops in the year 2020. It was like in the year 2023, that doesn't make any sense. And also Sting is still wrestling. Everything is so fucking confusing now. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, every single, like, movie, when they wanted to reboot it or do anything around that time, was, like, 2000. Like, Godzilla, 2000. Yeah. Um, they loved using 2000 as, like... Yeah, when we hit 2000 or, like, we're approaching it, yeah, then it got insufferable. Like, like we're here, we're in the future. Like, this shit don't look that cool. Yeah. You're like, uh, the year 2000 is kind of boring, and Y2K didn't even happen. WrestleMania 2000 was a good game. <laughs> yeah. That was a good game. But WrestleMania 2000 was not a great pay-per-view. True. I'm trying to remember. I don't want to get into a wrestling tangent, but I can't even remember what number it is now because they did that silly shit where they called it WrestleMania 2000. 15, I believe. Was it? Larry's kind of interested at the idea of going to the amusement park, knowing about this ride now. And he's kind of, now he's kind of struggling with it. Like, maybe I should go. And then Larry's two kids run in the room and they start playing with Uncle Chris, as they call him. And they're all kind of wrestling around in the bed. They even go like, WrestleMania! And then, weirdly, we, if we only held the WrestleMania talk for about 10 more yeah. seconds, it would have made sense Sorry. for Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But I will say, the WrestleMania this year, because I was like, okay, 1990 WrestleMania. If they're screaming WrestleMania, this came out in September. That would have been like four or five? Six. Six was about to, Okay. 
So that's okay. Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate, uh, Warrior. Ultimate Warrior when Warrior wins a title. Mm, great it's also uh, the Colossal Connection, the the last Andre the Giant pay-per-view match. Yeah, that's uh, they had the little rings that took them in and out. Different times, better times. You know what, you know what bugged me about this? Where Larry gets up and he immediately starts putting on his clothes. Well, that happened. Well, he's getting ready for work. Yeah, but I do. I get ready for work every day, and you I don't. don't wake you don't up put clothes and, on. I put, I put on clothes. He commutes naked. And he no. gets to work and his clothes are. Another ban from the subway. <laughs> no, that's why I drive my car. In. That's why you bought a car. Uh, uh, no, I, you gotta have a coffee, or you gotta like go and take a poop or a pee or something. You don't just jump. I'm with up you on and, the like, pee. You gotta have the morning pee. Like you gotta do but something. I will say this: I get coffee every morning too, but I get dressed and then I go make coffee. I will I also fun. say I don't do that naked. I, I shower don't know what your first. Is. There's also sh- something that's going to throw your routine off when your best friend's in your bedroom the second you wake up. That might right. change. That's not for a regular routine. Like I wake up in the morning, I have a routine, and I like work out, and then I shower, and then you know all that stuff. Like that's out oh, the just window. Like Chris is just at the bed. So yeah. So there's like we talk about like realistic stuff and like when things are a little off for sitcoms. But wouldn't it be weird also, like just as a viewer, if like as they're talking, it's like. Hold on, I gotta piss. And he just leaves the room and Chris is alone. Standing for a in minute, the piss where you <laughs> have. Why like, are you doing this? So right, hold on, I gotta piss. Tinkle, 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 tinkle. <laughs> that would have been funny. Goal. And 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 also I want to mention that he got changed not when the kids were in the room. He did that before the kids got in the room. Just for clarification, so this guy isn't a complete pervert. Yeah, no, I backtracked a little so, bit. So yeah, so then um while the kids are there. The daughter's like, oh, dad, we're going to play with your power globe. He's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And then he, like, takes a second and thinks about it and then throws a tantrum. And I didn't understand this for this character at all. Mine, mine, mine. It yeah, doesn't like, work. What, like, it, it just that, like, if Chris did that, that makes sense. Why is Larry throwing a tantrum? Like, you can't play with my toy. Like, it just I mean, I guess it's I guess it's a show that he regresses to Chris's level when he's with Chris. Yeah, yeah, to a they degree. Just, it, just, it felt so right. odd. I feel like they didn't know what this character was in yeah. this pilot, at least. Because even the daughter's like, okay. <laughs> and then she's like, <laughs> five. And she's like, all right, That's dude. That's like her natural, actual acting, though. She's like, uh, okay, lying? What is this guy yeah. doing? Like, it doesn't make any sense at all. So the kids leave. Chris keeps begging Larry to go with them. And he's like, I'll call out for you. And then he grabs the phone. This is tough. And yeah, it's like, how do I describe this? Yeah, he's he's doing what would be an impersonation of like a like a soulful older black man, I guess. He does the voice of everybody in Animal House when they go to the bar to see Otis Day in the Nights and like, do you mind if we dance with your dates? Like they're doing that thing, but like really putting some extra racism into it. Yeah, like you dig and just all this stuff over the phone. And it was very... I mean, Do you know the, what it's the, like? It's like the a comedy weird is science. it's not like Larry's not a black guy or anything like it's a, the voice doesn't even remotely match who he's it, trying to impersonate. So it's absurd comedy and the absurd part of it works, except for the fact that it's racist and does not age doesn't well. age well now. Yeah. But again, I was thinking like I watched Weird Science recently and there's that scene where they're at the bar. And it's like they're at an all up a bar full of all black people. There are only two white people there. And why it's doing the, <laughs> yeah, he's doing an impression of Richard Pryor. It was like, girls can't hold their smoke. And you're like, man, this is fucking hard to watch in 2023. This is painful to watch. Larry keeps explaining, you know, we're adults now and like I have responsibilities. 
and I can't just let you keep manipulating me into doing things. Chris is like, oh, I get it. You're chicken. He's like, that's it. I'm in. And then, okay. Like, Calm yeah, down, Michael point, J. Fox. Like, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, at this point, we are three Back to the Future movies in. I think three maybe had just come out. So the chicken thing is big in the culture. We're cutting to the amusement park. So we get the exterior shots. And now we start hearing the go-go's head over heels. Great song. Again, but it's like the budget here, like for music. I just and wish they did... ran into the family from step by step, like yeah. <laughs> just yeah. cross intros. Like Ugh! that's one of those things, though. Where like we do th- we do this show, right? We're hundred over a hundred, almost going to two hundred episodes in to sitcoms. It is such, and we just grew up watching this stuff. That's why we do the show. It is such a '90s trope. This is 1990s. Like we're barely into the '90s, and they're like first episode. We have to take the family to an amusement park. <laughs> It does not count as a sitcom in the 90s if the family does not go to the amusement park. Hey, even uh, Father Ted <laughs> episode one. Yeah. Father Ted goes there, yeah. <laughs> but step by step, full house. Uh, Roseanne. Roseanne. Everybody goes to the amusement park. So we have this like montage of them having fun. What was that really slow moving ride where they're just locked in tiny bird cages? Yeah, I don't know, but like, they look visibly upset. Yeah, <laughs> what ride is this? Gets around like a teacup thing, but it's like a mouse and cheese scenario, and then it like looked like. I mean, they didn't like have the budget cages. to make a fake ride. This had to be a real thing. I'm sure that was a real park. Someone should have looked it up, but I did not. Yeah, I, I looked it up. The park they say it is does not exist, but yeah, this show's supposed to take place in Minnesota. Yeah, there's no fun co land like St. Paul, St. Paul area they're in, right? Yeah, I think it's St. Paul and um, Minneapolis are the twin cities, so they're basically yeah. like the mirroring cities next to each other. I bet you this, like, they just must have filmed so much footage of them on, like, a thousand different rides, and they just kept, like, whatever their best reactions were. But what a fun day, right? Like, you right. and your buddy just have to do rides and look <laughs> like you're having fun. <laughs> like, at little kid rides? It, it's like one of those things, like, Chris Elliott's one of the, like, main uh, creators, producers of the show, like, he was like, I'm going to write in that we go to an amusement park. <laughs> it actually like, think of the things that you would, you would write in, right? Like imagine like Jay, if you were on a show, you'd, or you'd be like, Oh, we go to a bunch of baseball parks or Ferg. You're like, we go to Disney world. You know, Gordo, to right? Yeah. So you were in a Disney shirt. Like we'd all put our own stuff in if we could. Ferg, do you not like Andy Samberg? I like Andy Samberg. I didn't like him in Brooklyn nine, nine. Joe's the one who hates Andy Samberg. I, just, uh, Joe, I don't like, like him, him either. I just say, I could have sworn someone said they didn't like him. It's Joe um, and Goro. So as a fan of like the Lonely Island, um, they have a song in one of their albums. The whole premise of the song is that they're writing it. So the record label has to pay for them to go to Japan to film the music video. And the whole song is about how they're in Japan doing all these things. <laughs> Just so for like that, like that's the joke of the song is like, well, now you have to send us to Japan so we can record all this stuff for the video. I missed the first half of that. My computer cracked out again. What were you talking about? He was talking about how much you love Andy Samberg. Oh, I hate Andy Samberg. See, told you. Yeah, there it uh, is. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll just we'll be full uh, transparency here. We don't have to edit around this. Uh, Joe's having some computer issues, so he didn't hear some of what we were saying. So I was fine Joe for a while. Again, though, transparency though, I, I don't hate Andy Samberg. I just don't like most of what he does. Nothing against the man. What be hilarious? Mm, that I will strong disagree with. But oh, I'm just trying to remember now. It doesn't really matter. But but you do like Hot Rod. I love Hot, Hot Rod. Rod. Is funny. Okay. I just hate the Lonely Island stuff, and I hate all those songs. Oh, well, like I mean, that's what I was just talking about. You missed it, but like 
I was just comparing them writing in that they have to go to an amusement park to the Lonely Island has a whole song about how the ba- the basis of the song, and I, I'm sorry to the listener uh, that I just talked about this, but the whole basis of the song is that the record label now has to pay for them to go to Japan because they're just talking about Japan in the whole song and all the things they're doing there. So the music video is going to have to follow suit. I love the premise. I'm sure I'd hate the song. So now this montage ends with them on, like they're finishing up on that roller coaster that they went there for. So you see them like kind of coming out of the tunnel and into that, like, you know, that bay where you get on and off the ride. For the first day of this major ride, nobody is there. Nope, (laughs) not a single person. Also, this is a roller coaster that only has two carts to it. Yes. (laughs) So only four people can ride at a time. The operator's like, you've been on this ride five times, you getting off? And he's like, what the hell does that mean, you filth? (laughs) I I, I did find that funny. I did too. Also, this is amazing casting. Tracy Walter is one of my favorite character actors of all time. I I fucking popped so hard when I saw him on the screen. We've you talked said, about him before. He's popped up in other things we've done, but he's Bob the Goon in Batman. He's in Repo yeah. Man. He's in Malone. He's in a great death scene in Malone where uh, Burt Reynolds shoots him with a gun under a uh, barber shop uh, robe. But one of those guys who's just amazing at everything. He's uh, Sounds of the Lambs. He's one of Jack Nicholson's, like, close friends, so he shows up in a lot of his stuff, too. Oh, nice. Huh, good good to have good friends. Yeah. You commented on the crowd. There is pe- There are some people in line. It's just not, like, a new roller coasters line. And No, there's, like, three there's like or three four people. people standing there. Yeah. That's the other no, thing, a, too, There's though. a whole family to the right, though, that are waiting to get on, and they, he you lets You find them out they've done it multiple ride, times. Like, you don't get to just say, we'd like to go again. You have to get off and go back in line. Unless there's no one there when it Unless spins around again, but yeah. No, they're yeah. still dicks on around at like fairs and stuff. Like, oh, you're gonna go around. It's for their counters. I was gonna say my problem is that they let them go, and then nobody gets on in the back. Like the two people that were waiting in line could have easily just jumped in. They, they, you realize why though in the next scene. Yeah, yeah they no, I mean, get it. But... And there was like three or four. Maybe they were all together and they wanted to ride it together. But yeah, I mean. That typically they would say, hey, fill up that back cart. Oh, no, you just say, no, get the fuck off so this family of three can get on. You yeah. asshole man babies. That's coming from number one asshole man babies. <laughs> Pot calling. And I know my kind. Yeah. <laughs> Chris is explaining how, oh, I thought you were insinuating that me and Larry were lovers. And then kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a weird exchange, but it basically ends with, but, but yeah, we do want to ride this one more time. And Larry's like, you know, actually, I think it's time to get going. But, you know, I do want to thank you. You were right. I needed this data unwind. And Chris basically convinces him, come on, let's just do this one more time. So we see them go, like, on the ride. Now it's the perspective of, like, from their eyes. So we see, like, the ride in motion. And just when they're starting to do the loop and they're going upside down, the ride stops completely. Which is oh, a the nightmare. Eff- the effect of it stopping, they literally just hit, like, pause on, like, the <laughs> It was such yeah, a, yeah. a lot of budget in any of this. <laughs> See, this is the charm of the show to me. I find it so funny the way they film this, and also the way that Chris Elliott's hair is falling down, so that you know he's actually upside down for some of these scenes is very, very funny and very. Like, no, good for practical. most of it, they are not upside. It's just an upside down camera, and they like comb their hair up a little bit. No, I think that pra- it's practical. They probably have them upside down because when he does the fallout thing and hang, he has to actually be hanging. Well, for that, sure, but then, like, yeah. most of it, you don't see movement in their clothes. But his hair, their, their clothes are hanging. I didn't see yeah. I, I think some of that is practical. 
I think that like they might have hung for portions of the scene because like you could tell that their faces are getting a little redder. See, I strongly disagree, guys. Be... I mean, I'll, I'll, I mean, we'd have to review, right? If, we, but I just, I did not see a lot of movement on anything during any of this to insinuate that like gravity is coming into play here. Somebody there's a few Chris scenes. Elliott on the phone. Yeah, I'm with Ferg on this one. I think there's a few scenes where you can definitely tell they're actually upside down. We'll have to anybody for people Plus, listening. They do the whole, they do the whole soda scene. So right. there well, must that, have been a yeah. time where they were upside down. If you have the way to hang it, hang them upside down, why not film the whole thing that way? Because they'd have to be upside down for hours. <laughs> There's yeah, a lot I feel of like dialogue. It wasn't that long with special scene. shots, yeah. Th- these aren't one-take jigs. Like, you've you got to do these things over and over again. Like, there's no way they would hang people up this up, upside down for that long. That seems like an OSHA violation. Yeah. I don't think More so now, long. though. We're also talking about 30 years ago. It's a lot of dialogue. It would take a lot of time to record. I'm not but saying I, the whole thing was upside down. I'm just saying I think... A good amount of it was. I still don't think so, but we can't prove it one way or another. I would say the best thing to do, and I did it a couple times, turn it on on your phone, flip your phone upside down. If you can get it to like not like lock it so your phone's not going to rotate with you, just flip the phone upside down and like look at it, and you'll see this points where like they are a hundred percent sitting upright. Now it cuts to like we see them upside down, and my note is upside down camera, but we disagree there. When they realize they're stuck, they start screaming. I immediately just go, oh, no, Larry's going to get caught. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the ride operator is, like, fidgeting with the controls, and he tells them to hold on to their pants. We'll get you down soon. And it cuts up to Chris. He's like, did he just ask us where he bought our pants? The gap, you idiot. Now let us down. Like, that one of, of like, few jokes that that caught me I thought was pretty funny. One of the many jokes I laughed at. I'm currently wearing a pair of pants from the gap right now. I am too wide for gap pants, even when I was considerably thinner. Uh, my body is not structured for gap stuff, which was unfortunate because I used to work at Old Navy, which is owned by the gap, and I used to get significant discounts there. Well, did you get and Old Banana Navy Republic. discounts too? Well, yeah, of course I got Old Navy discounts too. They weren't like, welcome to Old Navy, but you only get your discount at the gap. Well, my secondary question was, did any of the Old Navy clothes fit? Yeah, they were like made more for the people. What was okay, the Old so Navy then... lady like? What was that? What was the old Navy lady like from the commercials? Oh, um, she got kind of stuck up after she married the Six Flags guy. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was Joe. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll have to do a side by side. Now Larry's starting to freak out and he tells Chris how he's stuck there. With an aging Dennis the Menace, which we talked about earlier, which was, you know, mm-hmm. basically what the premise of this show really is deep down. That was when I first noticed the stripes, which you yeah, brought up too. earlier. And Chris promises to get them through this and start singing The Morning After by Maureen McGovern. A 1973 hit. <laughs> the weirdest yeah, fucking like, reference. Do they have to pay for that, too? Yeah. Uh, if he's saying oh, part sure. of it, yeah, there's like, yeah, like I said, part like of the, it, you have to. Like the Michael but Scott then a, thing, you have to pay somebody. The cutaway here, this, that me personally, if you ever want like an insight into what it's like living with me, when it cuts to him just singing his own version of We Didn't Start the Fire and yeah. then Larry They do like a time him, lapse by doing that, yeah. That is my wife and I all the <laughs> fucking time. We got in a legitimate 
she was yelling at me for doing Casper Jackson in the house the other day. Like, no other thing bothers her, but Casper Jackson does. They're just constantly singing weird songs with different lyrics. When he fucking sings, he says, Gorbachev comes to town, Chris and Larry upside down. I fucking <laughs> spit my water out and, like, was cry laughing and lost so much time of my day yesterday when I was watching this episode. It's so And I think it's the funniest part of the whole episode. We watched the same show. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah they sing up they sing yes. like four bars of it yeah it's a so parody what, version so it, oh that I might be parody know. that might be like weird al i do ask weird al how that works yeah. i do so weird al is parody and weird al um always asks for permission not, not to not to coolio weird al always asks for permission except for I was going to say, Coolio R.I.P. said, he said no, but I think there was some miscommunication there. Yeah, but when you do publishing rights, part of publishing rights is um, like front, center, or background as far as where the music is in the scene. And having a main character sing along, like typically it'd be on the radio or like with the boombox or something, that costs that's the most money or like a theme a theme song is like the top like s tier and then singing along with it is like right up there because like it's an acknowledgement that here's the song it's an integral part of the scene so because each song is negotiated on its own you kind of get the studio by the balls also the parody works if you look at like the label on any weird al record if you say like like a virgin it's like like a virgin madonna weird al so you have to split the publishing because it's their song that you're parodying. So like if you have a huge yeah. hit, like every time he did a Michael Jackson song or a Casper Jackson song or <laughs> a Madonna song or whatever, and he made a bunch of money on it, she made equal money because it's split publishing because it's not just his song. He took their song and changed the words. I mean that might I mean I don't I don't know all the details. That could partially be Weird Al being a good dude too, because True. I because there, there are certain no, if the song laws. Is, if the no. song is song is published you have to hmm. yeah no no you have to because There's i know the the, works, yeah. like when the like in wrestling right when the bwo shirts came out like like wcw tried suing them and they were allowed to do it because of parody that's that's different yeah, than music. trademark is different than copyright hmm. yeah but in this he didn't sing the actual words and there was no music doesn't matter you knew exactly what he was singing yeah, he might have gotten away with this one by not having the music track yeah, because I think about, like, South Park when it's something like this. South Park does a lot of this type of stuff. Yeah. Good call. Like, I don't think Kanye got money for the gay fish song. <laughs> I thought he should I hope not. <laughs> I, like, did we both said something at the same time, and it was the most complete opposite answer as possible. Yeah. So, for all of you listening, take what you will of all of our multiple perspectives. We gave you no real insight as to how this works. <laughs> um, we are not copyright lawyers. Surprise. So now Larry's starting to panic that they could fall. And although I don't think gravity is much of a factor personally when I'm looking at this, but Chris if reminds you not them, see him hang upside down. Gravity is at factor. one point at one point. Yes. <laughs> so Chris reminds him that, you know, this is a state of the art roller coaster. This has been checked like three times over. And then we cut back down to the ride operator who has a couple other workers with him now. One of which is being played by Mike Haggerty. Yeah. Who's saying, I knew we should have checked this thing first, like and <laughs> R.I.P. By the way, could, <laughs> yeah, um, 
he was in a, a couple shows we've covered. When did he? Yeah. He came up recently. What he show was in did Louis. we cover with? He was in Louis, but I wanted to say something else as well. But no, Louis we for, definitely Louis talked about him semi recently. Yeah. I, I can't remember what it was. He so, was on an HBO show called Somebody Somewhere that's really funny. That it's like just not a sitcom enough that we couldn't do, even though it's yeah. a comedy. But like they had to write his character off because he's like the the dad in it. Oh, he was actively on it. That's yeah. Nice. Oh, that's um, terrible. So he's saying that like, oh, this thing could fall off the track at any second, and he's like, hey, uh, to one of the other guys, call the guy at Thrill World and see how they handled their dead. <laughs> I fucking love that line so much. I like that. I will say though, I mean, Ferg, especially you are a big theme park guy. Do you get a little pause sometimes when you hear about like? There are accidents that happen. Does it like make you think twice ever? You're just like, nah, I'll go on Space Mountain, whatever. Most accidents are on the person that went on the ride. Like, like I'm going to stand up. One of the more famous ones in our area was the dude that fell off at Six Flags on the Superman. And he shouldn't have been allowed to go on the ride. I guess that is their fault, but that's not the safety of the ride. He had cerebral palsy and he kind of just went limp and slid out. Oh, God. Oh, but so. Uh, didn't someone die at uh, Water Country? Like a bunch of people die at Water Country, like over the summer. Like no, that was that was also our Six Flags. And you're thinking of the um, it was the Congo River Rapid ride, and it flipped over, and because they couldn't get their seatbelts off, they all drowned. Oh Jesus! Oh. Yeah, I hate there was parks. A, I don't go to don't parks. don't wear your seatbelts, people. It wasn't <sighs> Water Country. It was. Um, six Flags. No, 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 no. It was what Six Flags was before. There Five was flags. another. He's talking no, about no, no, Riverside, no. A... but no, it was already Six Flags. I thought it was Riverside. No, because they built that when it became Six Flags. That was one of their In big any of openings. It, I, I, but... I don't want to get too much into this depressing topic, but I, I did want to mention, Ferg, what was the. There was a documentary that I think you put us on. Oh, it's great. Yeah. The Giant Adventure. Po- uh, Adventure. Yeah. My only thing, and I, I Adventure watched it. Point? Class, ac- Class Action Park. Yes. Class Action Park's the documentary. The documentary. Yeah. So I watched the doc- The only thing about it, I will say, I remember watching it way too long. There was a point where you're like, we get it. It's not safe. <laughs> but it was like, it was just dragged on and dragged on. But the part that got me is that they were like, you're like, all oh, these will die. And then there's a part in it where like, you're like, this should be wrapping up by now. They were like, and then people would like run across the highway. And that was dangerous too. And you're like, that's not for this. Like that you're going a little too much now, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Forget there was another ride one. I don't want to talk about this too much. It's depressing. What's that what ride that's almost like there's the big pole and it like you shoot up and like someone like fell off that recently. Oh, I saw that video. That was the, not fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking oh, like about. It's one of those elevator things. Yeah, yeah you like, like lose gravity that... for a second and float, and the dude just went like whoop right out of it. Yeah. So, Joe, to your question about the theme park, theme parks like Disney World or like Six Flags or Sea World, they don't scare me because they're professional parks that are uh, stationary. Traveling carnivals. Oh well, that's that's the the absolute shit out of me. I will say there's, I would say there is a certain level of trust when it comes to like, I'm not a ride guy. I'm very on record. I'm not a big ride guy. Same. When you go, and and even in like, like I was in Disney a few months ago. Um, I'll do a few rides. You know, nothing crazy because it's just not my like. I'm just not entertained. Like, I don't find fun in that stuff the same way. Like, I don't want to go on the Superman. That does not make me like. I find no joy or thrill in that. 
I won the Superman um, once and literally got off and was like, I have to poop. This is I would not for me. Never. I would never, <laughs> ever, ever do it. But something about being in like Disney where you know the amount of money that goes into that place and the amount of like routine maintenance they must do on everything. And even then, nothing's guaranteed. Accidents will happen. That's why they're called accidents. But there is a comfort in knowing like they know they have billions of dollars on the line. So they have to do everything yep. possible to try to avoid it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And then when he does start hanging upside down, physically became uncomfortable because I was thinking about being in that. That's like my one as a like small dude, panic. Yeah. Yeah. As a small dude, there's been times where like the bars have come over and I've been like, there's too much. Oh, shoulder no. room. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. I have like a good, like, three or four inches where like I just pop up. They had, like, got, they had really delightful ones though. This was like a normal seatbelt yeah. material that went over their whole body. <laughs> they did. I'm like, a, Berg and I'm I a, went as on as a the... big guy, I feel like when the thing clips, it's like I just get that like the first possible clip that can shut it and like, okay, that's good. It's like, yeah, but that guy got like seven click 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 before it was in I was like, I'm just on one. I was like, what is is this good? <laughs> This is why well, I just find I think, where they have the beer and play ski ball. That's all I do in those places now. Yeah. I specifically remember uh, Ferg and I, when we were younger, we went to Disney World and we went on the Tower of Terror. <laughs> and I think we sat down and like we're so excited. And the bar comes down and it like it's almost eye level with me. And <laughs> I look down and there is probably the biggest dude that I've ever seen with this fucking bar on his gut that made the whole thing <laughs> stop. And I had to curl my arm around it. I swear. I almost broke my arm at I'm that. Sorry. It's a very vivid memory of me being scared to fucking death <laughs> that I was going to go whoop, right out the ride. <laughs> um, I, I, we gotta we gotta keep going, but I do want to mention these two. I don't know if you saw like whenever you're like like doom scrolling Instagram, I get the video sometimes of uh, it was like the guy who like pranks guys. Like forget what ride he operates. Like it's either like the one you guys did in Florida, the like that slingshot one, or one of the ones. Oh that yeah, did. yeah. And like b b right before he clicks the button, he'd be like, "Oh shit, the I got an indicator light. Something's wrong with your seatbelt." And then he hits they did it. that to me. And they did yeah, that when wow. me and Gordo went yeah. on that. They they did it to him. They go check. Down, he looks down I, and he launches. Yeah. If you remember, I was fucking <laughs> I forgot petrified. I might have that video. I have the video. Share. It's on oh, okay. YouTube. Oh yeah, we. Oh, you guys have the video. We'll we'll have to share it on our social media. Yeah. But yeah, there's um, yeah, that's, then that's the, like there's a special place the, in hell for that shit, man. He does it, and then the guy always leans to the camera, and goes, "Got him." <laughs> it's like it's very. They funny. did that to me. I almost cried in the air well if you guys find the video i'll tell you guys at some point this week we'll try to get it up on our on our instagram <laughs> or something so go to s1e1 pod and we'll try to get that video up and then to keep going on uh we, we cut back up top and now chris is like grabbing some doritos and a drink and this is even <laughs> even with the, <laughs> the drink, absurdity I'm of this skeptical. humor is so fun though <laughs> i was still skeptical that he was upside down at this point still but he opens the drink and you see it just start pouring because obviously, you know, he's upside down. So you can't just drink a soda and he cuts to below and you see um, the engineer is like at the at the booth trying to fix this machine and just all he's like, oh, I think I finally got it. And then all the soda starts pouring down. <laughs> it's like sparking. He's like, damn it. And he's, 
<laughs> I love yeah, in this. It's just like up at these guys. This episode's so good about like setup, payoff, setup, payoff, setup, payoff. So quick for these jokes. That one I thought was so fucking smart. And then when we get back to um them trying like they're like, what's he saying to us? As he's screaming at him. You see that second cart just completely comes <laughs> off the track and just falls? <laughs> because they're upside down. They're like, that that can't be good. <laughs> yeah, they have to be upside down for that one. So now Larry thinks he's seeing an angel because he thinks uh, death is coming. And it's just a reporter and a cameraman that are like on this like cherry picker that are it's raising so up to where funny. they are. And she's going to do a news report like live at the scene of like this, you know, this big potential catastrophe that could be happening. This is Julie Brown, by the way, which I thought was a fun cameo. Downtown Julie Brown? The other Julie Brown. This is the Julie oh, Brown who's say. saying um, Homecoming Queen has a gun. And, uh, the theme to Earth yeah. Falls Are Easy. She's a comedian. Yeah, oh, Homecoming Queen has a gun was like a big hit in the 80s. And you know Earth Girls Are Easy. I know that I know, I know Earth them. Girls Are Easy. But when you say Julie Brown, I was like, she didn't look like Julie Brown. Because I'm thinking of Wubba Wubba Because there's a comedian Julie Brown. And then there is Wubba 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 Julie Brown. She was the other it was one. Which is the one I think of, yeah. Gordo, you don't know either Julie Brown, right? No, I do not. Yeah, I <laughs> Yeah, we said wubba, 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 and it didn't track, and I was like, that's not, you must be so confused by those two words altogether. Larry's nervous knowing he's going to be on TV, because obviously he's supposed to be at a funeral, and like, now like the two are going back and forth about that, and the reporter's like, shut up, I have to do my report. Obviously not sympathetic to the situation at all, she's just trying to like, get her story in. Now that the broadcast has started and they're on television, you can see it cuts to Larry's house and you see the two kids and his wife watching the television and the kids like, Oh look, daddy and uncle Chris are on TV. That's, um, you know, obviously exposing his situation. So, you know, we know he's going to be in trouble now. He's, you know, playing hooky and he's, he's been caught. Yeah. I mean, I saw this from a mile away. They had to have been something as soon as they got stuck upside down. I knew that he was going to get caught. Yeah. Not to harp on the wife, but that's another reason why they should have showed her being meaner at the beginning, because there'd be more consequences to him getting caught with the wife. Now yeah. it's just like, oh, her husband's there. Like, what? Why is that a big deal that she saw it, that he he missed work? He's a grown up. Because she told him that he's got to go to work. I know, but in showing her meaner at the beginning, then you would have seen there's consequences to him not listening. Also, though, it's not even just consequences, but again, it's like she's going to be mad that he just skipped work and lied. And yeah. justifiably so. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. lied to her. And, you know, so it's like, yeah, but you think no that point, the is she an antagonist? But the emotion of your husband hanging on and about to die probably supersedes the emotion of I'm mad at him for lying to me and skipping work. It didn't feel like that when she was watching this. Yeah. No, no, that's what you I didn't think. get that vibe. And she did go down there out of love. Yeah, so... um, I think she went down there out of anger. Yeah. Like, she, she brings the kids, though, which she's like, I'm bringing the kids. In case he does splat to the hard, hard concrete below, or yeah. whatever she says, the kids can be there to watch it happen. Well, now they can forget about their dad's death by riding super fun roller coasters and other rides. Oh, yeah, like the depressing birdcage. <laughs> <laughs> that ball pit looks kids, so Kids, sorry fun. your daddy so splattered. Get in the birdcage. <laughs> Is the birdcage so, ride operated by Nathan Lane and Robin Williams? Because that'd be a yes. fun ride. <laughs> I passed the toast. <laughs> so the reporter um, gets excited at some point because you can hear like the rides making noises. And 
she thinks they're about to fall to their death live on their broadcast and notably disappointed when they don't. And then when they end it, she's like, they're lowering like that cherry picker down. He's like, wait, like, can't you save us? And she's like, oh no, I'd be like a conflict of interest. So, you know, you know, I can't be involved with the people I'm reporting on. And then what did, um, I can't remember exactly what the quote was. I missed the word. He says, come back, you ratings, something whores. I missed it. Yeah, he calls her a slut and a whore. Is ratings yeah. grabbing or? Yeah, Maybe. I think it was ratings it grabbing. Was. Ratings grubbing whore or something. And this was, yeah, this is Larry who's shouting it out, not Chris. And yeah, this is where Larry finally snaps. Yeah, he snaps. And Chris decides, well, hey, you know, I, I think if I take my harness off, I can climb up like the car and then, you know, we can crawl down like the track like rung by rung and then obviously because he's upside that's an impossible situation <laughs> unless you have the most insane like upper body strength and gymnastic like body we already seen that he couldn't do a pu- he couldn't do more one push-up earlier yeah. right <laughs> correct so, so much as anxiety he, as soon as he unclips he instantly goes upside down and he's he's hanging by his hands I know it's the 90s, but a no planet would, would there be no safety protocol that you can just unclip from a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. 1990 was a long time ago. No, you, you couldn't. couldn't do it on the wooden Yankee cannonball at, at yeah. Canopy Lake. Canopy Lake. <laughs> Wasn't that one just a bar, though? They had a seatbelt. Was it a seatbelt? It's been a while. So now that he's up, you know, like hanging by his hands, he's kind of accepting death. And then now that we're at this point where it's, you know, about as bad as it can get, the the ride finally starts moving. I actually was like being in this situation, hanging by your hands as it's about to continue moving because it's going to have to flip again. Like that's more terrifying than being stuck upside down the entire time. Correct. They did a great little gag, though, that when it finally does pull back into the station, he's upside down in it with his legs sticking yeah, out. Like that he was fell a fun into move. the cart. Yeah, they, they pull in, and now as soon as they get to the bottom of the ride and they're parked and they're safe again, you have some people applauding. Like, it definitely, you know, a little bit of a crowd drew because of everything going on. And Chris instantly wants to go again. And uh, that's when the operator's like, get out of there, you wieners. I think he calls them <laughs> weenies and wieners a few times. I love so it's much, funny, though, it's... like, that that's his character, that he wants to do it again. Like, it's stupid, but it needed to be said, you know what I mean, to, like, really drive it home. Too stupid. I'm over him. Larry, as soon as they get off the ride, spots his boss, which was very odd that his boss just happened to be <laughs> at the amusement park. At the amusement park. Yeah, this is like a so Wednesday, like, oh, shit, right? Yeah. So, like, we better go this way instead, and that's when he sees his wife. So now he's trapped. He doesn't know which way to go. So while they're, like, pausing, trying to figure out what to do, the um the boss catches him and walks up. And he's like, hey, I thought like you were going to a funeral. He's like, oh, I, you know, I came after the funeral. He's instantly fired. And Chris tries to pretend to be like a billionaire. He's like, oh, I was about to give my billions of dollars to your accounting firm. And like the boss is like, I'm not I'm not buying this. Like, do you think I'm an imbecile? And Chris is like, actually, yes. It's like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah, way to really drive the point. Yeah, home. you're not helping at this point. But this is where he gets his so, redeeming quality for the episode. Well, yeah. So no, it's Chris... not a redeeming quality when it's a problem he caused. That I hate true. that. I'll give you that. I will say true. he does He does have to dig himself out of a hole that he dug himself. So, yeah, because Chris just got his best friend fired, essentially. 
by forcing him into the situation. So he finds that reporter and gathers the crowd of people together so he could like get up on a couple steps and deliver like basically a speech and put Larry's boss on, you know, on blast and on the spot. He's like, you know, Larry deserves a second chance. If we could give one to like, he basically alludes to the time that the boss got drunk on the horse. And he's I like, had too much Jim Beam one night and took a joyride yeah. through J.C. Petty on Mr. Ed, which is a great yeah. fucking line. So they do this in movies and shows a lot where, like, they kind of corner them in front of the press so they have to do it for them. Right. It always bothered me. It'd be like, sure, you can have your job. You get another chance. As soon as the the camera goes off, you're fucking fired. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is basically the end of Vacation. They're at the theme park off the roller coaster, and they're about to get arrested. And he has to do the whole Wally World Dad speech to get Roy Wally to not press <laughs> charges. It's, um... He goes, if we can forgive the town drunk, certainly we can forgive one of his underlings. And we start Doesn't getting he like call him a lush too at one point. He he definitely digs at this boss quite a few times in the speech. Um, so as he, he he continues for another minute or so, and he gets his big round of applause, and Larry's boss, like we said, on the spot, kind of gives him the job back. But he says, like you know, next time something like this happens, you know, you're out like yesterday's garbage. So everyone kind of disperses, and it feels like it's over until Larry's wife, Sharon, shows up. And Chris is like, don't worry, I'll handle it. And then he walks over and then just goes, you know, before you leave the house, like, do you even consider putting, like, a little bit of makeup on? And she's I reminding fucking died him, here, man. I just didn't expect it. It's basically reminding him, like, you do understand that you're in a position where I can knee you square in the balls right now. To and which he then says, like, oh, are you trying to hit on me like he just yeah like, like you're coming on to me with your husband right here i like that line but yeah and i mean this times his delivery is good i just and i think because like in that moment i don't know it's like it's it uh, i guess it felt like less childish than some of his other deliveries she grabs her husband and walks off larry tells chris if he doesn't hear from him in a few days like basically to call unsolved mysteries and <laughs> have we talked about unsolved mysteries recently in the updates. I could have sworn we did. If we have I think probably at least once over the course of the show. Yeah. I think I've been watching some recently and whenever it was five years ago or whatever, they you know, they have like update from like five years into the show, but oh, now yeah. they've got like update doodle 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 from like twenty twenty two. Everything is like, well, DNA did find out who it was, but he died ten years ago, a free yeah. man. <laughs> Happy and with money in his pocket. Like, every one of them is so fucking depressing. So it's either extreme deja vu or we have talked about this. <laughs> it must be, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but that show scared the shit out of me. The theme song. Is scary. The theme song. And then like, every other episode was like, do aliens really exist? And as like an eight-year-old, yeah. you're like, fuck, I hope not. There's also um an episode on Kurt Cobain because his death is not as much of an open and shut case as you think it is. Right. It's pretty open and yeah, shut. Blue Love off. paid El Duce to kill him and then yeah. murdered him by putting him drunk on train tracks. Open. Shut. Okay, so you're admitting that Kurt didn't do it. Yeah, I never said he did it. Courtney okay. clearly killed him. Okay. Is this libel right. at this point? Are we in trouble if we say this? I, I don't know if you allegedly. Can... No, yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. So um... Allegedly. Babu Babu Babu. So basically now, anyways, Chris is by himself because Larry leaves. 
And he turns around and he's like, you know what? There's no line. And he gets back on the ride for one more go around. And then we get, um, that's it's your opportunity like the, to kill him. Yeah. I mean, there was, a, now that I, I know that's it. a thing, I'm really bothered that he didn't die. They didn't want like, to do it in the first too. episode. Cause they're trying to sell the show still. Another thing they could have done instead of when the, it came in instead of him being upside down, just have only Larry in the card. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, there is a thing too where um, this episode there was an unaired pilot, but it was much like the Full House one. And what other show did we do recently where they changed the character? Roseanne's the same thing; it's just a different. There was uh, a, there was only did recently too, but basically, um, the mother was June Lockhart originally, and they they subbed it, so they only had to reshoot the two scenes with the parents. But the rest of the episode was as the unaired pilot was. That's that's at least it's an easy cheap fix, right? There was one other thing, too. I forget what song, but the Go-Go song is a different song in the unaired pilot, I get it. I guess. I can't remember which one. I read it at the time. I don't a remember different now. Go-Go song? No, I think it was something else. I don't remember now. Um, but those were the only differences, mainly that they just changed the mother. And, and one song. Yeah. And then, so now we get that kind of post scene, like that kind of after the commercial break final scene. And it's just back home. And Chris walks in, he talks to his parents for like a second, mentions that he was stuck on the ride upside down for a while. They go for to eight bed. hours. He mentioned that the yeah. time lapse for that was eight hours. And then um, they leave and he uses the clapper because he makes fun of them in the beginning of the episode for having one. And he goes, that is so cool. And that was it. And then we just kind of get like the, the end credits is just like slow motion of um Larry and him playing in the ball pit. But. Uh, two things I do want to bring up we didn't get to mention. One, the clapper. I looked it up today. You can still buy the clapper. You can get yeah. one on Amazon. It's like 26 bucks, and I am so tempted to have one in my office. I need to look into the logistics of how it works, but I would... I You clap. No, I understand how <laughs> that part of it works, but how you set yeah. it up to work through the wires and circuits in your room. You, you can't... No, you can't wire it for your like your main lights, but you can no. wire it for lamps. That's what it does. Yeah, oh. anything you can plug into an outlet, you can. It, so it basically plug. It's a it's a plug that you plug into the plug that you then plug a in plug the that clapper. you plug into the plug that you. Then Are you plug. having a stroke? What what's going on here? No, it it it's got a plug end that you plug into. Your electrical outlet. There you go. And then you take the piece of peripheral electronic with a plug on it and you plug it into the clapper. And then the thing on the clapper, you clap and then it turns off that periphery device. Can we get one for you, Gordo? <laughs> you start talking, you're like. <laughs> All right, Gordo. So, uh, really quick, as Gordo was speaking in tongues, I did look it up, and um, the original song from the unaired pilot, instead of the Go-Go's, they actually used Rome by the B-52s. Oh, Go-Go's is a way better song. And probably way cheaper. Uh, oh, the other thing I want to bring up, too, I did look it up. Uh, average Paperboy salary, 2023, $46,000. Paperboys make over 40 k I think because really? now, if you're a paper delivery person, it's it's by car, and you do like a very mm. large area. Also, oh, um, you can't live off that in modern day because the yeah. Also, forty six. I know it still like, sounds like a lot in my head from when line. we were kids. <laughs> yeah, because because you're thinking of like the Breakfast Club when the principal is like bragging about making like forget how much it was like it was not 
that much money. <laughs> Shit, I remember. I wish I remember the money now. Yeah, it always you see it a lot in like I watch so many eighties like cop movies, you know, like action movies, whatever, and it's always some guy being like, Ugh, "I don't need to be doing this for one hundred twelve a week." And you're like, "Well, how much money a week are you getting paid to get shot?" At? Holy shit! Here, just for reference, here's the quote from The Breakfast Club: "I make thirty one thousand dollars a year, and I have a home, and I'm not about to throw it all away on some punk like you." Thirty one thousand dollars a year. And the insanity of that is the home probably cost like. $62,000. It's actually only like two years salary at that point. And that's when like our um, parents generations like, why don't you kids all buy houses earlier? It's like, because they didn't cost a fucking million dollars when you were my age. Like it's a big as, difference. As somebody who bought a house in the past couple of years and got in under the wire before everything went really, really crazy. It's insane that I feel like I was able to do it. And I know some people who have been through the same thing and everyone just has that, Thing. and everyone's like our age right like nobody yeah, we you know had a, did it when they were like 22 yeah and even your area is boosted you know even in the last like year plus that you've been there like, a couple years now you've been there like about two years two years two right? years yeah the house yeah. next to us sold for like 200 grand more than we bought ours for this, crazy like, two right weeks and ago. then and like you in like you think like in our area where things are more inflated like there was a point where like the generation before us were buying houses i mean we're talking like not like we're talking seven eight hundred thousand dollars less like over the difference of a generation and like our pay did not go up at that rate like inflation did not reflect in our paychecks the same way it did with like real estate no so if you think about it but, the houses that we all grew up in were all bought by working class regular people in that yeah, town and yeah. now you could never yeah. be a working class regular person and buy no. a house in that town it's fucking impossible with that being said i think we've kind of covered this pretty in depth for a show that most of you probably haven't watched uh, I believe this episode's findable on YouTube. I think could have sworn that's where I got it. So if anyone I think was the DVD interested is still in watching it, two of the whole series, yeah, I think so you can get it for secondhand for cheap. Usually, whenever there's a DVD release, it's pretty findable. But I'm almost positive you can watch all of episode one free online if you just Google um, "Get a Life" so one eo one. But in any event, we'll do the green lighter cancel now. We're down a guy, so in the event of a tie, Nick's. Um, Rating one way or another could affect that. Again, S1E1Pod will have a graphic up later in the week. So in the event of that, you'll find out the final scores. But um, to go right now, I'll just go in the order I see you guys in. Gordo, starting with you. Uh, yeah, I didn't like Chris Elliott in this, like, at all. I thought he was way too over the top. And it really made me not want to watch another episode. It, it flew by quick enough but he just was the difference and if he's the main character the fact that he dies in other episodes is kind of cool because he's an asshole but for the most part i don't want to watch a, a sitcom where he's this over the top and it's just going to be stuff like this i i just don't i didn't like it cancel ferg so i was actually prepared to go a lot harder on this show because I hated it. Talking about it with you guys, it's softened me up a little. However, it's still a cancel. I agree with Gordo. It's Chris Elliott's character, which is so hateable. I couldn't get behind him. And maybe if he died in this episode, I would have greenlit it because I got to see him die. But, um, yeah, the rest is just... He's just he doesn't have any redeeming factors. And even there's little things like Larry. They don't know his character. It's like he has these little... Out like outbursts with like the kids with the Nintendo. This is him having the outburst when he's hung upside down. 
It's like it be, be the like straight character or be like the wild crazy one, but he, he just doesn't know what he is. So it's unfortunately going to be a cancel for me, but not as bad as I was prepared to say. This is terrible. Joe. I fully came into this after watching it, expecting to be the only green light. This we'll, we'll find out with Jay and then eventually Nick says about it. I love the dumb absurdity of this show. And I know it might be hypocritical every time a show is like, oh, Taylor Swift said this. And I'm like, fuck this. I hate this so much. This had the complete opposite where they just mentioned a bunch of stuff. But smartly, almost all of it is from before this took place. You mentioned Irwin Allen and all this stuff, right? Like, it doesn't date the show. You're talking about things in the past, but they become funny references. I think that's the way you do it, to not hold something in the time it's in forever in sort of glass, you know? Uh, I do agree. Like, there are some patchy parts of it. We talked about that. Um, And certainly Larry's character doesn't quite know who he's supposed to be. And that's probably the worst part of the show is just the, the indecisiveness of that. I laughed out loud so many times. Like I said, I was crying laughing at the uh, Gorbachev comes to town line. I got so much enjoyment out of this show. The reason I picked this is because, again, I'd heard about it for years and just never seen it. I love Chris Elliott in pretty much everything. And uh, this is no exception. This is a huge green light. I cannot wait to watch more of this show. Yeah, so for me, I didn't love the show. From what I'm reading about it, and I know it got a second season, because I feel like this is such a weird episode. That surprised me, too, honestly. When I saw two seasons, I was like, this is like the classic goes one season. Yeah, show. so to have two full seasons get released um, and know that it took some turns and that the character gets darker and that, like, this was kind of, it was almost worded in a way where it felt like they kind of baited and switched a little bit to get the show greenlit. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how it spins and maybe, maybe there's a world where I'll enjoy how, how it turns out a little bit more, but the character here played the way it is an adult Dennis, the menace just doesn't quite vibe with me. It just, he was annoying and I don't want the main character to annoy me the whole time. Like it's okay if he's an antagonist, kind of an anti-hero. It's okay if. He's not a good guy main character, but if he's annoying me, the viewer, like I need to be entertained by him being a disruptor to other people. I just felt like I was in the shoes of everybody else more than going along for the ride with him. So I have to give it a cancel for that reason. So with that being said, regardless of Nick's vote, we already have three cancels. So sorry, but sad. Yeah. Sorry to get a life. And I like Chris Elliott a lot, but sorry to get a life. You do not live on to see an episode two of us. I want to thank all of you guys for listening. Again, go to s1e1pod.com. That's where you can find all the links to our social medias, everywhere you can listen to us. Rate, review, subscribe, do all that stuff. It helps us a lot. And then additionally, like I said, on social media, chat with us. We just like knowing the shows that you want us to cover because there's no point in us doing shows that none of you want us to hear us talk about. Um... With that in mind, thank you again for listening to this episode. We'll catch you again next week with another new one. So until then, thank you. Goodbye. I think we got the best two tickets to paradise.